0: Welcome back, everyone. This is the second episode of Becoming a Great Dad podcast. I'm your host, Chris Bodie, and I hope everyone had a really good uh, Great Father's Day. Um, I know I did, and I actually want to dedicate this podcast to my wife because uh, she really went above and beyond this year. Um, she hosted the ESPYs Award for me in the dining room, and it was complete with a red carpet and decorations and uh she and the kids got me awards, and they all made a speech about how great of a dad I was, so even even the dog got me an award um so that was real nice so if you're listening, bay, I appreciate it um I thank you ten times over i I would not be uh, the good dad I am without uh her love and encouragement, so I appreciated that so uh this episode, we're gonna talk about healing um and actually. I think the title is going to be healing from our childhood to become a better father. Um, we're going to talk about, okay, what does that actually mean? How do I start to heal? And what does this healing have to do with, you know, my kids? Now, first thing I want to, I want to set up a, I guess a foundation, right? Something that we all can kind of agree upon and understand, um, before we get kind of deep into the stuff. Okay. And, um, I think one thing we all can agree on, for example, is as you know, as people, human beings, um, we're kind of all compromised of uh, some different slices of things, right? So, for example, uh, our family makeup, our friends, our culture, traditions, um, and then kind of the environment that we grew up in, right? So, if you take, you know, like a pie of you, right, and a hundred percent of that pie is the whole pie. And if you slice that pie up into slices, um, the way you think, how you act, how you talk, your values, um, how you view social norms, at some point in your life, all of those slices in that pie are shaped by, you know, uh, your family, your friends, uh, culture, and how you grew up. And so I think realistically, the biggest pieces of that pie, those two biggest slices, are going to be two things, your parents and the home environment you grew up in. And then from that, I think we can kind of deduce that there are a lot of situations from our past that have affected us. Right. And in those situations can dictate how we view things. They can dictate how we think and they ultimately in the end, they can dictate how we parent. And those views you know we can push those those views and that way of thinking to our kids either directly or indirectly, and let me give you a good example of what I mean by that um so this is this is something that and this is kind of an indirect thing that I learned from my mother, okay um but I have always been anxious about money um I'm the kind of person who likes to hold on to my money. Uh, So much so that uh, whenever I have to kind of spend money out the blue that I didn't intend to, um, I'll get nervous, right? I'll get afraid um, of having to spend it even though I have it. And that has affected my relationship with people. Um, I later kind of learned on as I got older that that's a mindset that I have and that that mindset is one of... Thinking I always be in lack, right, or like a poverty mindset. You know, my thought is, well, okay, I, I spend the money, I mean, I get it back, and that that became a legit fear, like for years. And I was talking to my oldest daughter. Uh, uh, this was I don't know some months ago, and she was kind of telling me like how she was dealing with money, and I realized, oh my God, she she has that same fear you know, like of money that I do. Well, years later, and in 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 and, 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 and kind of kinda think about this, this, you know, this is something I kind of kinda realized maybe maybe two, three years ago, right? So so let's go back three years, I realized I had a fear of money. Maybe I then some months after that realized haven't had a fear of money. And then my mama out the blue, we were just talking uh, out the blue one day. And she started to tell me how when we were little, so I had myself and my two little brothers, how she was fearful of just not having enough money and not being able to pay for things sometimes. Now, mind you, she never, you know, when I was young, she never said anything to us that would, I guess, let me catch on to her having that fear. Like, you know, she never made any into windows or said We don't have money for stuff. I just, again, this was just a fear that she had never said anything about me. You know, uh, um, um, you know, well, she never said that fear to me directly, but as a child indirectly through maybe her actions, her moods, I picked that up. And so without even knowing that I had a fear, like I was able to, to kind of inherit that fear just like she had, you know, and, and, and that's just one example of something that I learned indirectly. And there are probably a bunch of other examples that you can think of directly, uh, you know, like as men, our views on women, uh, maybe politics, maybe how we view different races, um, you know, these things that we learn from our parents, um, they can either be good things or they can be bad things, and you know they can lead to things like sexism, racism, bigotry. Um, and I think on a tail end of the spectrum, you know, we use you know drugs, alcohol, and different vices to deal with them. You know, and 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 what we pass down to our children, whether indirectly or directly, uh, you know, just like that fear of money thing comes from our parents, or better yet, you know, you know for me, came from one parent, but just as dads, that may come from us. So that's why it's so important that we deal with these issues we have, not only to help us heal personally, right? Um, I had to start a process of, of addressing that fear and then having to deal through that fear, but also to help our kids so that, you know, A, they can understand how to, deal with that issue Um, through our healing we can kind of help them as well too and then you know you can also get to a point where just like if your child picks up something indirectly from you if you heal from something guess what they can also pick up that healing from you as well now that we understand how our parents and our home environment can affect us I kind of want to go one step further. Um, A lot of us, you know, uh, might not have had mom and dad at home, right? Um, You know, we may have grown up with just mom or single parent household. Uh, And, you know, some people have dealt with, for example, absent fathers, dads who just are not there. Um, I learned this term. I didn't I know it was a term, but it's called distant dads. Uh, These are fathers who are in the home, but they aren't really involved in the kid's life. Dad just comes home, provides for the kids and isn't involved in anything. Doesn't ask them about, you know, their school day, nothing. They're just kind of there. And then you have fathers that just deal with issues themselves, you know, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, uh, you know, gambling, um, you know they just have those issues they deal with, and and these situations, you know, no matter which one we kind of fall under, um, they can cause a serious harm as adults. Um, I have in front of me, and this is an article from uh, Psychology Today, and it goes in depth in some of the issues that people face if they had a father that fell in one of those three categories. Uh, let me just pull this up real quick, and. They list, I mean, they list a bunch of things, but let me just give you some of the highlights. So, you know, if you had a father that uh, fell in one of those three areas, um, these are some of the issues that, you know, we can have as adults, um, you know, or 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 as young children as well, too. Uh, but we can have behavior problems. Uh, there can be compromised emotional security. Basically, that person feels abandoned, or they feel unworthy. Um, there can be issues around teen pregnancy, uh, crime, violent crime, truancy. There's also poor academic, poor academic performance. Um, those those young kids are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Um, homelessness. Ninety percent of runaway children have absent fathers. Ninety percent. Uh, you. You might be more susceptible to abuse to abuse. Um there's mental health disorders, the list goes on, right? And 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 these are some real issues that people deal with um starting from a young child. And if you haven't dealt with them or haven't gotten help, you probably are still harboring feelings around those things or hurt from them when you become an adult. And you bring that hurt, you bring that way of thinking when you become a dad as well, too. So, you know, if we want to be great dads, we have to admit that, hey, we do have these issues and we want to address them uh, for the purposes of just growth and change with ourselves, but also for the benefit of our kids. And now... A word from my sponsor. Hi, my name is Chris Bodie and I'm your host on Becoming a Great Dad podcast. I'm so excited to announce our new merchandise line called The Great Dad Society. The Great Dad Society is a signature collection of t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, mugs and more. And this is all made for dads. This is apparel that any father would love to have and it makes a great gift for the dad in your life. Feel free to check it out on my site, ChrisAbody.com/store. That's C H R I S, A, B O U D Y, dot com slash store. Again, that's the Great Dash Society collection. Check it out today. Now, where do we start? Um, So I'm a a visual learner, right? So I'm I'm gonna try to present this to you in a visual way. Um, And if you have a kid, you will get this probably immediately. But what I want you to do is right now, uh, so you can pause this or you can bring your phone or iPad or whatever listening device you have. Go in your kid's room right now and take a look around look in their closet, look behind their dresser, look under their bed. Um, the room probably will not be all the way clean, right? There'll probably be some stuff in there, dirt, dust, toys, old wrappers. Uh, maybe that's hidden, okay? Um, but I realized a while ago that there's a parallel between healing And also cleaning a room. And our kids' rooms are a great analogy uh, uh, for that because they pretty much have stuff just sometimes everywhere or sometimes it looks clean, you ready for this, but the stuff is hidden, okay? And um, I kind of broke this down into a kind of four-step process on, okay, how do I heal from one of these issues, it kind of correlates to how you clean a room. Um, For example, the first one is, well, you have to admit the room needs to be cleaned. Um, I sometimes go in little Chris's room and say, Chris, your room's not clean, son. And he'll look and go, no, dad, the the room's clean. And I'll say, well, no, your bed is not made. I can see a wrapper under your dresser. There's some stuff that is in the corner, just piled up, and so he hasn't admitted that his room needs to be cleaned. He's under the impression that everything's okay. And the same thing happens to us when we want to heal. You know, we, you know, we have to admit, yeah, I, I, I do have some issues that I need to address. Uh, the second thing is that we have to start taking things out, and we gotta start moving stuff around to see what needs to be dealt with. Right. Um, The way I teach my kids to clean is, look, you got to take everything out your closet, take everything out your drawers. I mean, you know, either put it in a pile or put it in the hallway and then then little by little put stuff back in this place, uh, vacuum dust, the whole nine. And we got to do that same thing to our issues. We got to we got to dig down and we got to take those issues off the shelf. We got to unpack them. Uh, we got to unpack them and, and, and we got to literally put them in the middle of the floor to see, okay, what, what exactly am I dealing with? What am I looking at? And sometimes we'll pull stuff out and go, wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't even know I had an issue with, with that thing. And then the third thing is we got to make a plan on how to deal with said issue. Um, You know, what, you know, what is your plan going to be to, to overcome whatever that issue is? Um, just like you got to kind of make a plan to clean the room. Well, okay, first I'm going to take everything out. Then I'm going to dust then I'll vacuum. Then I'll do the bed, clots, whatever the case may be. Um, and then the last thing is just like healing, um, you got to continuously keep your room clean, right? You you cannot clean your room just once and be done right uh, healing and cleaning um I think they go hand in hand because it's a continuous process every day you have to do something small and incremental um to just move forward to just keep that healing churning and to keep that room clean so let's uh let's talk about um, homework and um I think I said. Uh, If you all listen to the first podcast at the end of each podcast, uh, we'll always have some kind of action item, right? Something you can take for homework, um, uh, you know, back with you and practice uh, from what you listen to. So my challenge to you, uh, my homework to you is to take the four step process that we just talked about and and just work on one issue. I'm not saying unpack everything all in one day, but just select one issue and work that forced that process. Um, And remember, first, you got to make the commitment to change and admit to yourself that, yes, there there is there are some things from my childhood, my father that, you know, have hurt me um, in some way or another. And I'm going to pluck that issue off the shelf off the shelf, I'm going to unbox that issue and I'm going to focus on that. Um, Next, you got to start unpacking it. And this is by far, and I think from my experience, I think the the worst part of the process, Um, and I say worst because you have to let yourself feel. Now, I can attest that, you know, most men, you know, we bottle up our feelings, you know, we don't want to feel, maybe we were taught that, you know, men don't feel, Or, you know, being emotional is, um, you know, not something men do. Uh, Whatever the case is, this is an uncomfortable but necessary step. And you have to dig down and you have to put that issue on the table um, and you have to let yourself feel. Um, Then you got to make a plan. You know, the question is simple. How am I going to heal from this? Now, for everybody, it's different, right? Maybe that is reading a book about the issue you have. Maybe that's talking to someone. Maybe that's confronting the person who gave you the issue. Maybe it's meditation. Um, people are different, you know, and and the way you heal from your issue is different than the way I heal, but you have to make a plan on, okay, what am I going to try to do to heal from said issue? And then... Uh, The last thing is you have to remind yourself that, you know, working this plan is not just going to be a week or a few months and you'll be healed, right? This has got to be a continuous process that happens every day, right? You got to do a little something every day to heal, to heal and get to the point of being whole. Now, I know what your question is going to be next, right? And this is the You know how they say the million dollar question, because I had this one myself. Um, And and, I mean, it's kind of a two part question. One is, okay, well, how long does it take to heal, you know, from something? And then how can I gauge or measure if I am truly healed? Um, And for the longest, I thought, oh, I was healed from this. And then something happened. I'd be like, okay, I'm still upset (laughs) about this thing. Um, and, and so I kind of, you know, went on a small quest for my own personal knowledge to see, okay, you know, you know, at what point do I know if I have healed from something? Um, and these are my own notes, right? On, on how I think that I have healed from something and you can use this for yourself as well too. But the, the first one is when you think about that person, are your first thoughts about them positive thoughts or negative thoughts? If they're negative thoughts, well, you're not all the way there yet. Um, the second thing is that when you view what happened to you, right? Whatever that is, do you view it as an opportunity for growth and for you to grow? Right? A lot of the times we view that thing that happened to us as well, why? Did that happen to me? Like, why me? And we have to change the perspective of of, of why me to, well, what can we learn from that? Um, Can you speak about what happened to you openly and, you know, to people? And can you be transparent about it? I think one of the strongest measures of your healing is being able to speak about what happened to you? Um, and not letting that thing have power over you to be quiet about it. Um, can you speak good intentions and good wills on that person's life? Right? Because if you're hurt, it's it's you know like from someone and what they did. It's very hard to say. Oh, you know what? I hope that person's blessed. I hope they're living a good life. It's, it's it's you you secretly think in your head. Oh, well, you know I hope. You know, I hope they're kind of, you know, um, hey, that 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 has happened. And then I think the the last one is, can you have empathy for that person? And can you understand that they, too, are. I guess you could say imperfect person and what they did to you wasn't personal. It was not personal. It was just as a imperfect person on their part decisions and choices they made without even knowing how it would affect people in the future? Can you have empathy to to understand well they are a person as well and 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 we all make mistakes. So those are the kind of things that I I take myself as a measuring stick to see, you know, am I truly healed from the situation and, you know, and and the person or peoples that cause the issue for me. So we have reached the end of of the podcast. Let me tell you something. It was hard to do the first episode. It was probably even harder for the second one because I procrastinated for I don't know how long. And I did say, I did say two weeks. And I think when I checked the calendar, I actually, like today, the actual recording day is a two week mark. So, you know, I won't, you know, be too on myself. Um, you know, I, I, I you, know, you know, I did reach my goal of, of two weeks. So thank you again for listening to the podcast. Um, want to just shout out everybody who shared the first episode. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, you know, thank you for sharing it, continue to share it. You know, I want to tell you all to check out the website becomingagreatdad.com. Um, you can find all the information about the podcast, you know, where uh, the podcast is listed at. Uh, you, know, you can contact us. You can leave a message uh, for me on the podcast. Um, and until next time, thank you guys for listening. Many blessings to you and your family.